We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, coming from you live on a Thursday. Before we get started, hit the like button for us. You get it out of the way right now before we get into this awesome show that we have planned for you all. It feels a little eerily similar to offseason, the last offseason, in the sense that there are changing tides in college football. Last year was about the quarterback changes that were going to be at some of the top programs in college football. This year, we have seen changes at the top. We're going to talk about some head coaching changes across college football today, Get deep, do a deeper dive into each one of those situations. And overall, does it help Notre Dame? Does Is it a non-issue? Does it hurt Notre Dame's chances? What are is the impact on, of course, the Notre Dame program moving forward? So we're excited to get into this, folks. We'll also do a mailbag at the end, so throw in your mailbag questions at any time. First time with us. MB before the question or the word mailbag before the question would be very helpful to distinguish what is a mailbag question, which just you guys having conversations in the chat, which is obviously more than welcome here on the Irish Breakdown podcast. So, Brian, we have had a hectic offseason from the coaching change perspective. Again, we're going to go one by one here, but Nick Saban, of course, the best coach of this generation and one of the best coaches of all time retiring from Alabama at the age of 72 years old, which I think started a little bit of a ripple effect because obviously you have now (laughs) Kalen DeBoer coming from Washington. Crazy stat, crazy stat. Three of the four playoff teams this year are going to have new head coaches in the year 2024. And that's because Nick Saban retires. Kalen DeBoer, the former head coach of Washington, now takes over the Alabama program. Of course, Jim Harbaugh is now the newest head coach with the Los Angeles Chargers in the NFL. So there's going to be a changing of the guard at Michigan as well. So obviously, when we're talking about three of the four playoff teams, including the national champion from 2023, the 2023 season. Both teams that played in the title game. Yeah. Yep. When we're talking about those high-level programs making coaching changes, It's going to muddy the landscape a little bit. It's going to change your perception. It's going to change those programs altogether. And we've already seen the aftermath. We have seen a lot of transfer portal designations. We've seen, you know, obviously now filling out 
the coaching staffs underneath each of one of these coaches. Kalen DeBoer basically brought a, a lot of his offensive coaching staff, at least from the University of Washington, over Alabama already. So these changes we'll get into today, Brian, but this is a very different yeah. and the a different landscape, and it is continuing to change the further we get into this offseason now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, it, it used to be, Ryan, where coaching changes like this would do what you said. You know, and I, and I, 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 I know you're being sarcastic about the little bit of a ripple effect. It used to be just that. It was a little bit of a ripple. You know, this coach leaves and he gets hired by this coach and it shakes things up. But that that was it. That was the extent of it. Yeah. But now coaching changes have a – they're a tsunami because when Nick Saban leaves, look what happens to the Alabama roster. You know, look what happens to the Washington roster. Look what's happening to the Arizona roster. Even though they've had a couple prominent guys stay, they've had some other big-name guys leave. And so all that momentum I, that program is building starts to suffer. Go ahead. I would also say that it even has a ripple effect as far as you heard like Steve Sarkeesian's name associated with the Alabama job a little bit. You heard a couple other names as well, which does it, does it completely shake up the, the program in general? No, but you know that the players every single day are on social media as well. They're reading all these rumors and you have to think that I don't think it's going to have a massive impact, but if I'm a Texas football player or recruit and I see, Oh wow, Steve Sark's name was, associated yep. there like they were had some potential interest yep. there do i need to rethink maybe like what the long term looks at the university of texas like those things can happen as well or on the flip side texas sells it like hey look yeah they reached out to me bama wanted me but i said no we're staying here nick saban personally reached out to steve sarkeesian and asked him about taking the job is what i was told and then mike norvell just got a huge pay raise so he was able to use it to to now, I don't think Mike Norvell was a serious candidate. I don't think Mike Norvell would have got the job over Kalen DeBoer, in my opinion. But he was able to use that interest that came from, you know, that was discussed to say, hey, I'm going to get a big pay raise at Florida State. So even yeah. there, it's having this big effect. So not only are coaches moving around, 
but you've got rosters completely changing. Ohio State, what does Ohio State soft season look like? I mean, it, they've had they had a good off season before Nick Saban left, but now with Caleb Downs, it becomes a much better off season. Think about what Iowa just getting Caden Proctor. You think about Texas, you know, getting uh, Isaiah Bond. So that you're having all these changes, all these players leaving, guys asking out of the 225 class. So, well, and and also it's not just Caleb Downs, but Caleb Downs and Julian Sayan is yep. what I is, I forgot to say. Julian Sayan has really shaken things up for Ohio State's offseason. So it has become a tidal wave, and it's a changing of the guard in a lot of ways. I mean, you you we'll, you know, we'll get into all the coaches, but it's a new era. I mean, five years ago, there were three coaches that dominated the sport. It was Urban Meyer, Dabo Swinney, and, of course, Nick Saban. And yep. now two of those three guys are gone, and the third is kind of right now on the descent a little bit. Now, they had a bounce-back strong finish to the year, but still went 9-4. and four. You know, can, yep. they, can they come out next year and get back on track? We'll see. But the, the game looks – and not only that, like, the, look at from 19 to now, the LSU won a national title. Their coach is gone. My Urban Meyer's gone. He was gone the year before. Nick Saban is gone. Dabo is kind of on the downward trend. Jim Harbaugh's now gone, who had kind of dominate, just absolutely obliterated and ran through the Big Ten in the last three years, just destroyed it. And there's all these different things happening. You've got uh, on top of we're getting ready to go into a massive realignment in college yep. football season. So it, this has been one of the the wildest offseason of my life when it comes to college football, when you think about just all the changes. You know, you talked about Nick Saban being the, the best coach of our generation. It was a debate through about 2015, in my opinion, because, you know, he had his title at LSU. He had won at that point in time, I think, three titles at Bama. Urban Meyer had won three titles, so it was four to three. They had had some back and forths. Urban had just beaten Nick Saban in the semifinal in 2014 on his way to an Ohio State championship. And there was a debate there. But from 2016, really 2017 on, Saban completely pulled away from Urban Meyer. And yep. won, won in 17, won in 20, kept, you know, kept getting to the playoff while Urban's teams kind of disappointed a little bit towards the end. They were so good, but they were never good as, you know, they had the Iowa blowout in 17. You had the Purdue blowout in 18. You know those, and then he left and, and left for nineteen. So, even though it was debatable for a while, Saban pulled away and is now clearly the greatest coach of our generation. And as you yeah. mentioned, is in the conversation for greatest ever. Right? I, I that's not a conversation I really care to get into because, you know, what Frank Leahy and Newt Rockney and Bear Bryant and all these other legendary coaches went. It's a different era. It's a different sport. It's kind of unfair to to do that. Oh, Nick Saban did things that 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 those coaches have never done. Yeah, well, did Nick Saban go four years without losing a single game? You know what I mean? And and have to, and that came right after he had to go serve in the Army during a world war like like Frank Leahy did. You know what I mean? And all, yeah. It's just it's apples to oranges. But there's no doubt in my 45 years on this earth that Nick Saban's the greatest coach that we've seen. I, would agree. I don't know that that's debatable. I, I don't really think that's debatable. Yep. And he's gone. And I think Alabama replaced him with a very good coach. I do. I mean, Kalen DeBoer has been a winner everywhere he's been. He won at Sioux Falls. He won it at uh, Fresno State as a head coach. He won at Washington. He took over a 4-8 and team and, and took him to 25-3. and three. He, yep. he, even, he even had success in Indiana when he was the OC. But he's not Nick Saban. 
how right. good will he will he be? I don't know, Ryan. And it is kind of funny watching all the LSU people sort of dancing on the grave of of Alabama, you know. And, and I'm kind of a movie buff, so I have this like vision in my head of like a movie scene of all these LSU fans dancing on Bama's grave, and all of a sudden, you know, like a you know, like a um, you think it's dead and buried, and then pops out of the ground. The corpse like I'm up. not dead yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Alabama's not dead yet. And and I saw yeah. somebody today in SEC say, oh, the, the kingdom is dead. Like, uh, how about we hold off a little bit? You know what I mean? Because uh, the guy that took over has has done a phenomenal job, but he's not Saban. It's going to look different. Thing we can say it's, yeah. it, it's not Saban. What does that look like? We don't know. Right. right. And, and right now the head coach at Alabama is a phenomenal coach, but he's not yeah. the name that right. – Dabo is and Kirby is and Marcus Freeman even is at this point in time, which again opens up a window. He's going to have to establish himself and he's going to have to rebuild that roster a little bit. So we can say, I would say this, I think they made a great hire. I do. I think they made a great hire, but can he fill the shoes of Nick Saban? I don't know, man. That's a, that's a tough ask. It's a tough ask. Yeah. I mean, we talk, I, I think we talked about it, but I at least was talking with someone about it after the Nick Saban thing happened. I'm just like, everyone is clamoring. Alabama is the number one job in college football and everybody would want it. And I'm just like, that might be true, but a lot of expectations that come with that, man. I, I don't, I, I personally wouldn't want to be, I, and this, I'm not a, a professional coach, you know, in the college ranks. I would not want to follow Nick Saban. That is a tall task to follow, man. Like that is not easy. Obviously, Alabama brings some things to the table that you can obviously take advantage of. Like it's it's not hard to recruit to the University of Alabama when you talk about the history, the prestige, like you know the high level of football. But is is Kalen DeBoer going to be able to recruit to the level of a Nick Saban? No idea. I no idea. Can it still be success? I would say like this, Brian. It's going to look different. It's going to look way different because. Nick Saban was a great recruiter. He was a defensive guy, right? So, like, his obviously his input went into that side of the ball specifically a whole lot. Kalen DeBoer is a completely different coach than what Nick Saban is. Kalen DeBoer is an offensive guru. He's a great offensive mind. He has put offenses wherever he's been at a very high premium and high level in each situation. Alabama's offense, I'm sure, will take a traumatic jump over the next couple years moving forward for what he's able to do offensively. But it, what's the defense going to look like? You know, is your defensive staff going to be good enough to compete on a week in, week out basis can in the recruit? SEC? Can you recruit, can you recruit? the way? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, because because Washington is obviously a much harder place to recruit compared to an Alabama, for instance. But his last recruiting class at Alabama, I mean, at Washington, excuse me, 2024, finished like in the 30s as far as recruiting. Classes. And that's not so, as good as Washington should be, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, there's too much agreed. talent in that state. They can recruit the state of California very well. So, uh, you know, he he recruited good fits, but can yep. he recruit at the dynamic level? And, right. and that's going to be a legitimate question because it's not just about X's and O's. When you're in the SEC that now has Texas and Oklahoma, yep. boy, you, you also have to have the dudes because they're, the SEC to me, uh, w- there was a stretch a few years ago where I just kind of felt like the SEC was really talented but just poorly coached. You had a lot of Matt Lukes and Will Muschamps and guys like that in the league. But now you look at it, you're going to have – obviously you, you, you're going to have Kalen DeBoer, 
who's a great coach. You've got Kirby Smart, who's ascended as a, into an elite status. Lane Kiffin's an excellent coach. Mark Stoops has done a great job at Kentucky for the, the expectation of that program. Josh Heupel's doing a really good job at Tennessee right now. Eli Drinkwitz is doing a great job at Missouri right now. You look at the West, Brian Kelly. You, 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 everyone knows my opinion of Brian Kelly. I've never said the guy's a bad football coach. And he's already beat Alabama once in his two years at LSU. He's a good football coach. You've got uh, Mike Elko just got brought into the league in the West. You've got uh, – you're getting ready to add Steve Sarkeesian in, in Oklahoma with Brent Venables into the league. Just the overall – and I know I'm leaving some people out. Oh, what about this guy? And Hugh Freeze at Auburn, right? Yeah. I mean, very good football coach. The quality of the coaching in the league has gone up. You're just not going to go out scheme everybody every week like you have in the Pac-12. And that's something that he's going to, you know, he's he's going he went from having one of the three most talented rosters there, but a big drop off after the first couple, let's be honest, just talent-wise, yep. to you're going to be competing against teams with similar talent to you, which has been true in the SEC for a few years, even with even at Alabama, as other teams have ascended from an LSU and Ole Miss and Georgia and teams like that that have ascended. You know, is he going to be able to to, to w- recruit well enough to to where he can maximize his coaching? That remains a question mark. But what I do know is he's not Nick Saban, and I'm going to go back to this because Nick Saban. It, it, I'll put it to you like this, Ryan: If Nick Saban would have left after the 2022 season, I think there's a good chance Keon Keeley's at Notre Dame right now, and there's a good chance that Caleb Downs wouldn't have gone to Alabama this year. He would have gone to Georgia or Ohio State right away. I mean, yep. there are guys that, are, that went to Bama. Look at – I mean, how many guys have said that? So they, I went to Alabama to play for Nick Saban. I didn't go to Alabama to play for anybody else. Caden Proctor, right. Isaiah Bonds. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot, yeah. Of, a lot of them. And yep. and so you you see that. Well, Kalen DeBoer's not Nick Saban. So he's not – he's yep. going to recruit well, I think. But will he recruit, you know, at an elite level? We're going to find yep. out. It was, it was huge for him to get Ryan Williams to recommit yesterday. That was yeah. huge. Yeah. And it made – I mean, if you're Ryan Williams, like, with all due respect, dude, they're, they're, why would you not want to play? I mean, Bama's an yeah. even better situation for you now than it was when you committed the first time, in my opinion. Sure. As a wide as a, receiver. As yeah. a wide receiver, exactly. Yep. yep. But, you know, that's step one towards really just changing the landscape and and the ripple effect it has for other programs, and Notre Dame will be one of them, which we'll get into a little bit. But it shakes up Washington, right? That yep. that, that Jed Fish – I mean, Ryan, I think that was a good hire based on what he did. I think there's a, but he's still a bit of a question mark. You know, he's had in, in, in a three year stretch, he had, he bookmarked a one and 11 and a 10 and two did a great job turning it around. Can he sustain that? We'll find out. Can he do as good of a job in Washington as Arizona? That doesn't always translate. I think it makes, I think it was a strong hire. I really do. I mean, I understand the desire to, to, to promote Ryan Grubb and that all would have, that would have made sense to me, you know, keep that continuity going but you can't deny jed fish's background i mean this is a guy that's coaching the nfl this is a guy that's that coached at michigan under jim harbaugh i believe early in his tenure uh you know and a guy that took a program that was 0 and 12 and turned it into a 10 and 2 team and a top 15 team in three years with a lot of homegrown players i mean a lot they, they got some transfers but McMillan's a kid that they recruited out of high school. The quarterback this year is a kid they Let's recruited out of high school. Like, there's a lot of kids that they developed on top of the transfer. So, I mean, it's a strong hire, but I he's not Kalen DeBoer. I mean, it's the same thing. And now, what happens to Arizona? They had a chance to run the Big 12 here in a couple of years if Jed Fish would have stayed around, I think. And now it's like, yeah. okay, they went and hired the San Jose State coach. Brent Brennan. Yeah. yeah. Who, was, who was, like, 
14 or 16 games below 500 yeah. at San Jose State yeah. or something. And I, I, I know San Jose State's not the easiest job in the world right. as far as being a coach, but like, I don't know. I feel like you just you just went from Jed Fish, who was at at a really strong background to your points, right? Like mm-hmm. he was at Michigan, he was in the NFL. It's like that's an attractive hire, at least from a name perspective. Then you right. went completely opposite. You went to a low, uh, not a lower level guy. I don't want to sound disrespectful, but like a guy that didn't have as much coaching background right. and prestige on a high level as what a Jed Fish had. So it's going to be interesting. It really is because I mean I would even say, Kalen DeBoer at Alabama, just kind of backtracking for a second, that is a situation where the first year to two are going to be so crucial for him because either recruits are going to be like, hmm, Bama's still Bama, or they're going to be, or just that, but it just looks a little different, or they're going to be like, that's a descending program now. That's a descending program because he's not in the best situation when you consider a lot of transfers. It's still going to be a good, it's still a good, talented roster. Yes. He's brought in a lot of transfers himself. But is it what is the talent pool going to be as strong as what it would have been if Nick Saban didn't leave? Probably not. It's just going right. to look a whole lot different, obviously. So Washington, they're in a tough spot. I mean, I, I do like Jed Fish. I thought Jed Fish did a really good job at Arizona, mm-hmm. and I know he's brought over a few of his guys already, and I think that's going to be an attractive destination for some. But they're going to the Big Ten now, right? Like they're going no, they're into going, that they're realignment going to the stuff. Went Washington. Sorry, Washington. sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Washington. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Big time. Big time. I was, I was like, did I miss week? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> big. They're going to the. You were big talking 10. about Jed Fish, and so my mind was on Arizona. I was like, no, they're going. Oh to yeah, the I got you. But you're I still talking you. about Washington. Yeah. My bad. That's yeah. why I was like, uh, no, shut up, Ryan. Let it yeah. talk. So, so Jed, Jed Fish <laughs> taking Washington now, and it, honestly, I feel bad for Washington because they had a good thing going, and then now their conference realignment and a coaching change right before the conference realignment. If they just went to a national championship, not going to be an easy job. For Jed Fish, Mm-mm. I don't think it's going to be an easy job at all. So we'll see if he comes out on the other side. I do believe that he's a pretty good developer because a lot of the guys you said, I I know the McMillan kid at wide receiver was a pretty high recruit, but other than that, like some of their best players were not top recruits. They were guys mm-hmm. that he had developed at Arizona over the last couple of years. Like No Fafita was not a big time recruit coming out of the uh, out of the state of California. Jonah Savanaya, who I think is one of the better offensive linemen in college football, he was like a three star coming out of the state of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So he did a good job developing. But now going to Washington, going into the Big Ten, it's going to be a little difficult. And yeah. then, I mean, where does that take Arizona? Arizona got Fafita to come back. They got McMillan to come back. But I, I just don't know enough about Brett Brennan as far as how high quality of a head coach he is to say that they're going to get that rolling in the right direction like Fish had it rolling. So mm-hmm. we'll see, man. It's a lot of turnover, and it's a lot of question marks, especially with the conference realignment that's figured into everything as well. Yeah, Ryan. I, I when I look at when I look at just the turnover. Too, you talk about Alabama. I think you nailed it. This is a huge year for Alabama. He's got to win right now. I don't. He doesn't have to win at all, but he's going to have to go out yeah. there and put ten plus wins on it right now because a Alabama. Yep. I thought this was one of Nick Saban's best coaching jobs. I think seventeen was the best coaching job he ever had. He's ever done. I, I think that team did not have a top three to four roster that year, in my opinion. A lot of their best players were freshmen, if you go back and remember that year, like Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy and those guys. And and it wasn't a, a, an elite Bama. I think the 18 and the 19 rosters were more talented than the 17 roster, and they didn't win titles. I thought they did a great job coaching this year, in my opinion, because this was not a – I don't think Bama had one of the three or four best rosters, in my opinion. When you take things into account, that you'll – experience and fit yep. and quarterback and I, I think Jalen Milrose a very yep. m- you know middle of the road quarterback in my opinion 
you know, but but he still led that team to the college football playoff, beat Georgia, you know, soundly in the second half and, of that game. And if they if they close down the stretch, which they had a chance to against Michigan, maybe they win a national championship. Ryan, they like, gave Michigan their toughest game of the year oh, by, by far. far. Yeah, I'm by close. far. Now, Ohio State gave Michigan a game for about two and a half, three quarters, and then Michigan pulled away in the, in the fourth quarter where Bama yeah. took them to overtime. Yeah. And now we, we we talked about, you know, they made mistakes early that let Bama get in the game, but that's part of the game. Alabama didn't make those mistakes. Michigan did. Yeah. You know, but I, I thought he did a good job, but I don't think, like, this is not a vintage Alabama backfield. Now, it could be because the freshman class was pretty good, but, like, as far yeah. as what we saw this year – you know, it was not a – they didn't have Mac, you know, uh, Mac Jones or Tua Tungvaloa, a quarterback, Bryce Young, a quarterback this year. The receiving core was good, but it wasn't anything like what it was from like 17 to 20. And and so – or even 21, you know, when they when they lost the title game, when they – you know, with all the injuries, what it was that regular season with Jameson Williams and John Mechie and those guys in 2021 before they all got hurt. So, yeah. you, to your point, he's not inheriting a – a vintage Bama roster, and he lost a bunch of guys. And I mean, he's he, yeah. he turned over basically his entire. So he's got his two starting guards coming back. I think Tyler Booker's very good. The Roberts kid, great last name by the way. He played pretty well for Alabama. But you're replacing your center, your left tackle, your right tackle, a couple wide receivers, several defensive players. Your all American freshman safety, both starting corners that are probably gonna, both going to go in the first round. I mean, you're right. There's a lot of question marks on that roster right now There's a whole lot of question marks right now mm-hmm. yeah so ryan we get to the third really big domino to fall so to speak and yep. that's jim harbaugh leaving michigan national champion completely turned around the program we don't need to rehash all the stuff Never that went into that it, it doesn't yep. need to it, we don't need to get into that the fact is is they were a a really strong program the last yep. three years and physical and well coached and all those kind of things. He's gone. Now the question is, is what ripple effect does it have? Do they simply just promote from within, which I think would make a lot of sense or do they the go from thing. outside? I, I would have to think so, but I just yeah. want to make this point first before we get into what we think will happen or should happen. Cause I, yep. cause you and I are on the same page on what they should do. Well, I don't know yep. what they will do. I don't know if you think they should do that, but you know, let's say they decide they need a. Let's say they decide we need an experienced coach, and they go outside and they get. You know, if they get Lance Leopold, that's not much of a ripple. It's no, it's no ripple at all because Kansas isn't really. He's done a great job there, but like Kansas doesn't. I mean, okay, who cares who hands is hot? Kansas isn't taking Dabo or Steve Sarkeesian or Dan Landing, right? Like that's not happening. But let's. What if they get Brian Kelly? Okay, well, then who does LSU go get? You know, so there's all these different things. I think they would be nuts to hire Brian Kelly, but that's a different story for a different day. But but what if that is the route they go that, hey, we need an experienced coach. We need a veteran coach. So it it could potentially create a ripple effect or this could be the end of it. And it all depends on who Michigan hires. Do they go outside the program and hire a big name like a Brian Kelly type of guy? And I'm just using him because. You know, that we've heard all the rumors about, you know, Kelly would be interested in the job. And I think the odds came out and Kelly was like third behind Sharon Moore and Lance Leopold. Yep. Leopold was like six to one. Kelly was seven to one. I, I just don't see that happening. I, I think that's typical Brian Kelly. That's his agent putting his name out there, letting them know. I don't I doubt that Michigan would have a lot of interest in Brian Kelly, although I would 
I would love it. You, you even said it to me before the show. Like I would love it if Brian Kelly awesome. took the Michigan job. Yep. But what what you and I think they're going to do, Ryan, is is promote Sharon more. And and yep. I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I'll let you state your case why you yep. think they will, and if you think it's what they should do, and then I'll share mine, my opinion on it. it. It's a, it's a yes to both as far as if I think they will do it and I think that they should do it because I think that right now Jim Harbaugh has built a pretty good infrastructure at Michigan in the sense that the players all believe what they're being taught. They all believe the vision. They all believe the strategy and they've been recruiting to that. You know, like it's not a flat. I mean, even though they have recruited a little bit better recently compared to what they were doing a previous couple of years but they were kind of recruiting the same types of kids, you know, kind of those grinders, physical dudes, the guys that you can kind of just plug in and, and know that they're going to be in a good, solid program and be able to be technically sound and well-coached. So I think that promoting, promoting Sharon Moore would be a very wise decision. And I don't think I would have felt this way until I saw them with Sharon Moore as a coach this season in a couple games where I'm like, okay, they clearly believe in coach Moore, And then you see, the stuff break yesterday and you're seeing guys like Zach Zinner, for instance, who's a big captain and a big leader on that program tweet and say, basically I, I, not paraphrasing slightly, but it, it was basically there's no coaching search. It's all about Papa Moore, right? Like that, that's coming directly from one of your team captains. And I know he's an offensive lineman talking about his guy, but I think that there is a deep respect for Sharon Moore in that program I think they have the formula already. Like, if Michigan's going to be sustainable and going to potentially try to win another one in the near future, I think they have to hold to the similar formula here. I mean, they are just, they, that's what they need to be do. They need to be an offensive and defensive line, heavy team, heavy run team. Like, that's going to be their differentiator as far as playing some of the spread out teams like Washington, like Ohio State, and be able to be that different type of physically imposing team. So I think that that is the route they need to go because if not, there's some, I'll say this, there's some good dudes that are coming back. I mean, I was thinking about it yesterday and I put it on Twitter. Like you are returning Will Johnson. You are bringing back the defensive tackles, Ken, Kenneth Grant and, um, and uh, what's the other one's name? Uh, the big old boy, big old boy. His name's escaped. Mason Graham, Mason Graham. It was in there somewhere. It was in there. You're bringing back. Colston Loveland you're bringing back Donovan Edwards who decided to come in back for his senior year like you are bringing back a decent core of really good talent from this year's national championship team and I think that you have the opportunity if you promote from within with a guy that everyone is comfortable with to keep the roster intact if not I think there could be a little bit of a mass exodus I think that there could be some guys that leave because there is a I think there's just a deep belief in coach Moore and what that team has been built upon and the standard. And I think shaking that up will compromise Michigan being able to stay afloat through a tough coaching change, obviously. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think the hesitation I have, Ryan, is similar to the one I would have had to hire Marcus Freeman. And and that is you just don't know what he's going to do. There will be a learning period because what Sharon Moore did at Michigan this year was impressive. But let's not forget the fact that he was not the head coach on Monday to Friday. Jim Harbaugh was. He was only the head coach on Saturday. But you look at just the poise. I mean, I'm, I'm watching the Ohio State game, and I'm watching Sharon Moore just chilling the whole game. Yep. Just, okay, we have a plan. Let's stick to our plan. When Ohio State took a lead, there was no panic. There was no emotion. And then I'm watching Ryan Day lose his freaking mind the entire game. And then, shocker, his team falls apart in the fourth quarter. Well, when your head coach is panicking, your team is going to panic. Sharon Moore didn't flinch. He didn't flinch at Penn State. He didn't. I mean, matter of fact, they doubled down. Second half, they just said, hey, we're better than they are. We're going to run it down their freaking throat. Didn't throw a pass. Now, can you do that consistently? No, but what that showed me was there was no panic. We have a plan. We're sticking to that plan. And he had to, you know, and of course, he he lost his emotions after the game, right? Which, okay, it is what it is. But during the game, it was cool. It was calm. It was, we've got a plan. Let's stick to it. And his team played like that. His team played cool, calm, and we've got a plan. Stick to it. Let's go kick their physically, kick their butt. While we're watching James Franklin make move after move that doesn't work, we're watching Ryan Day throw hissy fit after hissy fit after hissy fit and watch his team collapse in the fourth quarter of that game because, you know, he flinched, so they flinched. And, you know, you're like, look, that guy's got certain traits that make you say, hey, yes, I know he didn't he didn't have to lead the team Monday to Friday, whatever, sure. but the fact is we've seen what he can do in that moment on a Saturday, and his team stepped up and, and did what they needed to do. And I'll be honest with you. If if I if my past with Sharon Moore wasn't different, then I would probably maybe be a little bit more skeptical of his hire. And that meaning, when they hot when they when they moved him from tight ends coach to O line coach, and after twenty twenty, I was like, what are they doing? Like this guy's I don't know this guy really has any experience coaching the offensive line. Like you're Michigan, you can go out and get any O line coach you want. I thought it was yeah. a bad hire. It was a phenomenal hire. So it's like, I'm not doubting Sharon Moore again. I made that mistake once. I'm not doing it twice. Uh, but I do think there's that desire, Ryan, for continuity. And to your point, keeping continuity does a, allows you to, to better maximize the talent you have today, whereas you yep. don't have to make that, that recruiting adjustment. We're going to have to adapt what we have to this team as we look to recruit to what we want to do. You have a coach that will say, hey, Guys, nothing changes. The boss man left. We're we're now yep. doing this. A lot of the I mean, he'll probably what, what rumors are uh, online are that you know Jesse Mentor may go with him, and his son will probably go with him. Jay will probably go with him. But a lot of the staff's probably going to stay intact, which allows yep. you to kind of keep that continuity. And I I think that makes a lot of sense, and it allows you to keep. I mean, honestly, promoting Sharon Moore also is going to go a very long way towards keeping that roster intact, and that might be more important than anything. Well, the, the roster and the mentality as well, I think, is what you need to try to keep intact because everyone is losing their minds this offseason, Brian, with Ohio State, right? And, and I understand it 
you brought back a lot of good players. Emeka Ibuka coming back, JT Tuimolau coming back, Jack Sawyer coming back. You have Denzel Burke coming back, Trayvon Henderson coming back. Like you're bringing back a lot of talent. And then you went in the portal and got some big time guys like Caleb Downs and Quinshawn Junkins. And it's, it's awesome. But talent wasn't a issue already at Ohio State. You know what the talent was against Michigan? Michigan punched him in the mouth. <laughs> That's the mentality thing. Michigan had a, had a way less talented roster than Ohio State this year. Way less talented. I Like over the next two years, just kind of for some context. I think Will Johnson has a good chance to probably be a first-round pick next year in the 2025 NFL Draft. J.J. McCarthy will probably get picked there this year, even though I think it's kind of a joke. But he, you know, he's tall, white, and a winner. So, like, whatever. Someone's going to draft him that high. Whatever. But aside from that, Michigan is not built off of first-round picks. They're not. They're built off of depth and a mentality and a physical approach. Why did they lose? Why did had they beat Ohio State three straight years? It's because they were more physical and they had that just that dog in them as far as just punching the dudes in the mouth it's not a talent thing right so i understand why people are riding high on ohio state and they could very well win the big 10 next year make it make a playoff run it's possible because they have talent obviously but i if i'm michigan right now i'm looking i'm saying that mentality that we've been playing with that physicality on top of the roster trying to bring back the will johnsons and the and the and the and the Mason Grams and the Colston Lovelands and make sure those guys don't hit the portal this offseason as well. That's what you need to do. And for me to keep it intact, if you change coaches and hire someone out, out outside, maybe they can keep that culture intact. Maybe, but you threaten to fracture it. Which hate to tell you, before you had this culture and this physicality, you weren't a great program for no. several years. You just weren't. So I think you need to try to keep that afloat, man, if they can. They were old school Michigan. They were, you're going to be good enough, nine and three, 10 and three every year, but you're going to lose almost every big game you play. I mean, that that's what they were. They, I mean, the big joke about Harbaugh prior to 2021 was his terrible record against Michigan State and Ohio State. And I mean, he was like, well, like one and seven. And then Penn State, you throw Penn State in there, they had a couple blowout losses to Penn State as well. And they had a couple blowout wins over Penn State. But it was like, yeah. he can't win. He, he The rivals dominated him. Well, then, 2021, they lost that first game to Michigan State, but then whooped them the next couple of years, and they've completely obliterated Ohio State the next last three years. I mean, just physically. I mean, I know the score yeah. wasn't always super convincing, but like just physically, just kicked their butt. And and that's not. I mean, even when even like the John Cooper era where they got beat by Michigan a lot, like there was a lot of competitive games. They didn't just go physically get their butt kicked every game. And and so he did completely change the culture of that program. I mean, hundred percent. And and Sharon Moore played a role in that because what was the program built around? Line play. And Mike Elston played a role in that and, and did a really nice job with that D line the last two years. But here's the reality, Ryan. If if Jim Harbaugh leaves and they hire Lance Leopold, who yeah. I believe would be a phenomenal hire. I think he would oh, he would coach. do great at Michigan because he would recruit there. He's from the north. He would have all the northern contacts. He's a heck of a football coach. Yeah. But they would have a mass exodus from that football team because they'd have the they same problem. He's not their exactly. guy. He's not their guy. Same, yeah. And he exactly. And he's not a name, right? Yeah. Like if Sark got the job at Bama, I don't know as if, if as many guys leave. You know, I mean, not only even, is he even there Brian recently, Kelly, I like, think to a degree, right? Like these young right. kids will be like, "Oh, I know Brian Kelly." Like, yeah, he, he goes recruited to Notre Dame, me. He's down exactly. LSU. Right, exactly, exactly. Yep. So, so he's a name. Lance Leopold would not. But even if Brian Kelly takes the job, 
I still think they're going to lose more guy, way more guys than they would because here's what's going to happen. Before Brian Kelly can get in there, yep. Mason Graham's going to have a million phone calls offering him six-figure deals, right? I, I mean, my Will Johnson, who who it, it may not work for him because he's a Michigan kid, but right. I mean, Mason Graham's a Cali kid, correct? Could you Im- could you Im- Yes, Mason Graham is a Servite kid, I yeah. believe, but could you, I I was joking about this yesterday with a buddy, but like Brian, can you imagine how much Will Johnson could make upfront money on the market if he entered oh, yes. the portal. Like it would 100%. be insane the money yes. he could get at the transfer portal. Insane. 100%. I mean, and there's several guys like that for Michigan. And who yeah, knows? Mason Maybe Graham, too. Has, yeah. the, uh, has the entry deadline for the NFL draft passed? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then Donovan Edwards may say, hey, I'm, I'm going to jump in the portal or something. I mean, who knows and get a payout. So yeah. you're going to have to, you know, you get into bidding wars to keep your players. If you keep Sharon Moore, you may still have a couple kids that jump. Let's be honest. There's going to be some kids that probably jump in anyway. But sure. you're going to keep the core of your team together most likely. Yeah. And and I, and I think that's going to be important for Michigan. But here's the thing. Sharon Moore is not Jim Harbaugh. And right. maybe he'll do well and maybe he won't. It makes sense to hire him, but there's no guarantee he's going to be able to keep this thing going. Because, right. again, yes, he did it on game days, but there's a lot more that goes into being a, a college football coach than – being calm and poised and, and making good decisions on Saturdays. You, you know what it reminds me of slightly different situation and a different approach, but it's like when you went from urban Meyer to Ryan day, right? You may have lowered the ceiling on what the program was, but you were still able to be sustainable, right? Because Ryan day, Ryan day does enough stuff to consi- consistently still get talent in at Ohio state that's how I kind of feel about the Sharon Moore hire. Like, is that the right hire? I don't know. But for the short term, I think that that's the right hire. I don't know mm-hmm. if Sharon Moore would be a great co- coach at Michigan. But what I do know is that he will stabilize the floor of the program. I mean, let's be honest, Brian. Like, if they lose the coaching staff that Michigan had this past year, everyone. Like, if they obviously Jim Harbaugh is gone. If Jesse Minter goes with them. If they also lose Sharon Moore because they go outside of the program, the floor could fall out. It could fall out. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking about stabilizing a floor. I think Sharon Moore stabilizes the floor. Is the ceiling as high as what Harbaugh brought it to as far as winning a national championship? I have no idea. But I think you could stabilize the floor by going with Sharon Moore, which yeah. in today's college football, I'm okay with stabilizing a floor because it is just talent is just so much more spread out. We've talked about yeah. it with the transfer portal, with NIL. Like if you are just a stabilized program that could just get hot one year, then maybe you can win another national championship. I don't know, but I think stabilizing the floor is important in today's era of football. I do. Mm-hmm. Can he, can he win the way Harbaugh did? I don't know. I'll say this about Michigan. I don't know that they're going to be coached as well as they were under Jim Harbaugh. I do think they're going to recruit better because I don't think Michigan recruited well the last couple of years. And a lot of it was because of Harbaugh because yeah. there was constantly this, this thing over Michigan with, not not just for, I mean let's take the sanctions part away we'll we'll address that when we because I still don't know that the NCAA is going to do anything like anything substantial maybe take a couple scholarships yeah. away fine them and you know wouldn't would it be and, hilarious if they just like put the book down as soon as Harbaugh leaves and yeah. just like scold the whole program for yeah. what he did and just be hilarious who knows I don't think yeah. they're going to do that but but we don't know what's going to happen so we'll address that when we get there but assuming they don't just crush the program. I think they're going to recruit better because you're finally you're you're going to finally get some you know some closure to that, but also yep. there's not that. I mean, remember Jim Harbaugh was telling people at Michigan, according to multiple sources, uh, or not sources but multiple reports, was telling people at Michigan he was leaving. He thought right. he was getting the Vikings job, and then they went a different right. direction. 
And so there was this cloud hanging over the program, like Harbaugh's not going to be there. And then, of yeah. course, this year there's all this stuff. So I think that's really tamped down Michigan's ability to maximize what they could have done on the recruiting trail based on their success. So I do think they'll recruit better under Sharon Moore. I just don't know if they're going to be coaches better. So the fact is, is you you lost two, in my opinion, Hall of Fame coaches from college football this year. Say what you yep. want about Jim Harbaugh, but the guy completely rebuilt San Diego in a very short period of time. He did as good of a job as any coach has ever done at Stanford, in my opinion. And he laid yep. the foundation along with David Shaw that David Shaw then built on. And he did a great job turning Michigan around, got them their first full national title since, what, the 40s, right? Just just outright, no doubt about it, national title, dominated Ohio State. And then, of course, you know, went to the NFL and led the Niners to a Super Bowl. Yep. And what, three three NFC championship games in a row, I believe? Correct? Something like that. Yeah, he was really good for San Francisco, man. He was just uh, – Right. San Francisco just wasn't the biggest fan of Jim Harbaugh. Of, right, and that's so, why I always <laughs> said the minute they lose, they go down, yep. he's done. And that's exactly yep. what happened. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, you lost uh, Nick Saban. So the, the landscape has completely changed. And the, and the moral of the story is, right, Ryan, let's get it back to Notre Dame. There is – this is not debatable in my opinion – a window has opened up for Notre Dame. In, in, yes. in the last two years, things have happened that have opened up a window for Notre Dame. It began with Marcus Freeman being hired, and, and the floor at Notre Dame went down where Marcus Freeman was hired. The ceiling went way up, in my opinion. There was yep. always a cap on how good Notre Dame was going to be under Brian Kelly. The floor was really high, but there was a cap. The floor is lower with Marcus Freeman because we don't know what kind of head coach he's going to be, but – if he is who we hope he's going to be and we think he can be, the ceiling to me is way higher. And, and yep. so that was step one. I do believe that the, the transfer portal and NIL has been a net positive for Notre Dame because they are able to, to, to pay players now in ways that there are kids on their roster right now, and, and I won't see who they are, but, but I'm quite confident in this. There are kids on the roster right now Notre Dame does not have on the roster right now if it wasn't for NIL being a thing. They don't. And I think the transfer portal has been very good for Notre Dame because they've been able to quickly plug some holes that they, who know, I mean, are they the same team this year if they don't have Javante Jean-Baptiste and Thomas Harper on defense? They're still pretty good, but, but they're not the same defense. Are they, I mean, we can talk all we want. Sam Hartman was a disappointment this year compared to what expectations were. He was still a stabilizing force. I don't know that they're nine and three if he's not their quarterback this year. I I don't know that it, it, maybe they're better, but I think there's a better chance that they're, they're worse. Yes. You know, and, and so they've been able to use the portal to plug some holes. And yep. this year, obviously, they, they've raised the game. So I think these changes in the college football world, while Notre Dame fans are panicking about it because they're not getting into these bidding wars, which I don't want them to get into. To me, the yep. roster is better now because of NIL on the portal than it would have been if it was still just status quo. And my even with Marcus Freeman's ability to recruit. And then the final piece now is Clemson's descending. Bama has no longer has Saban. Michigan no longer has Harbaugh. Ohio State no longer has Urban Meyer. And the, the, the game has changed. In, in so many yeah. different ways, the game has changed. And there's a window that has opened up for Notre Dame now to say, with the way you're recruiting and all these things happening in 2024, the SEC teams are going to have crazy tough schedules. Sharon Moore is going to have a much harder schedule in his first year as head coach if he gets the job than what Jim Harbaugh's had the last three years by a yep. mile. And there's a window for Notre Dame to step into, Ryan, in my opinion, to go from being that top part of the tier two to kicking down that door and jumping into tier one. 
they're going to have to take advantage of it. But to me, Ryan, I do think a wind, a, a, a huge path has opened up for Notre Dame and other teams. There, it's not, it's also opened up for Oregon. It's also opened yep. up for Texas. And there's other teams that this has opened up for. Who's going to take advantage of it? And will Notre Dame take advantage of it? That's a discussion we'll have. But there's no doubt that a, that a window has opened up. A moment has arrived for Notre Dame right now to take advantage of. You mentioned that NIL and the transfer portal is a net positive. I would also say the conference realignment is a net positive for Notre Dame as well because Notre Dame, they're staying the same. They're still an independent team. They still control their schedule. They still control setting up with with different conferences and being able to play. Obviously, there's the ACC allegiance, you know, to the degree on that side. But regardless, they are not they're not built into. I have to play these particular teams each and every year. They have more control than a in conference team. And now with the conference realignments, every team going into the SEC, man, things are going to get tougher. Man, not only just for Texas and Oklahoma, things are going to get tougher for LSU and Alabama and those great football and Georgia. Like things are going to get more difficult. The big 10 for the, several years now, it's been Ohio state, Michigan, a little bit of a gap, Penn state, and then another big gap to whoever the heck the four five and six and so on and so forth are. Now that you have Washington and Oregon and those teams coming into the big 10, it's going to get more difficult. It's going to get more difficult for the pre-existing big 10 teams it's going to be more difficult for a Washington to run the table and get to a national championship yes. game. It's going to get a lot harder for them. Way harder. So I think conference realignment is going to help Notre Dame big time as well because Notre Dame is independent and they stayed the same. They're still status quo. They are still who they have been. The Big Ten is going to get more difficult. The SEC is going to get more difficult. The Big 12 is even going to get a little bit more difficult. Well, well, I should say more spread out is probably a better way to put it. Yeah, that. the Big 12 is going to be very competitive. It won't have yep. that name brand program, but there's yep. some quality programs and coaches in that league right now. I, I don't think I don't think there will be as big a tier breaks now that there's Texas and Oklahoma out, right? It'll just be a, teams are a little bit more on similar tiers, in similar tiers on similar similar planes of existence. Like they just kind of are there. So I think all of that is way into Notre Dame's favor. And then guys, like let's just use common sense. Three of the four playoff teams this past year are breaking in new coaches. I mean, just on top, on the top, on the rip, that is going to help Notre Dame because that means that there's going to be shuffling. There's going to be kind of jockeying for positioning moving forward. Is Alabama going to be able to be that team? What are they going to look like? It's a major question mark. Washington is going to be in a little bit of a difficult situation if they didn't make a great hire in Jed Fish. We'll see what that looks like moving forward. Can Michigan be sustainable? I'm not sure because, honestly, this was the year for Michigan to win a national championship because they had so many seniors. They were a very veteran team. I still like some of the talent that they do have coming back. I mentioned Will Johnson. I mentioned Mason Graham. I like Kenneth Grant. But ultimately, you're losing a large portion of your offensive line, basically your entire offensive line. You're losing a, a starting safety that's going to be drafted. You're losing a quarterback that is obviously going to be drafted. You're losing a running back that's going to be drafted. You're losing a couple wide receivers that potentially get drafted. You're losing a lot from that team. So Michigan is probably going to take a step back. Alabama might take a slight step back. We'll see. Washington, I'm pretty certain, is going to take a step back. So when you put all those things together, Notre Dame has a great chance. They have a great opportunity. Because they control their own destiny to a degree. They don't have to play the conference game and be able to be locked into this team and that team every single year because you don't have another way around it. Notre Dame controls their own destiny because they're independents. <laughs> it's a big part of it, man. It's a big part of it. And you talked about 
the roster getting better. You talked about raising the ceiling of the program, recruiting at a higher level. The next two to three years are a massive window for Marcus Freeman and this program moving forward. They have a chance to strike while there is some transition in college football, which you don't find this type of transition, obviously, every year. I'm going to say something else, too, Ryan. When you talk about conference realignment, the Big Ten has been a big problem for Notre Dame in recent years because the league was so top-heavy that it was almost like somebody from the Big Ten is going to be like 12-0 or 11-1 in a tough, tough out. I think the Big Ten this year, I've talked a lot about how it was a weak, a weak league outside of Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State to a degree. It was Michigan, Ohio State, and then Penn State, and then everybody else, right? And the league really took a huge step back. But I do think the league is ascending, and, and not even just looking at the new teams coming in. I'll, I'll talk about them in a second, but just some of the new hires that we've seen in the league in the last two years. Matt Rule will do well at Wisconsin. I mean, at Nebraska. He will. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you look at the Jonathan Smith getting hired at Michigan State. That's a huge, huge pickup for Michigan State. That's a guy's a good football coach. They'll get back to being old school Michigan State, right? Like not a national title contender, but man, they're going to ruin somebody's season in November. It just, that's what Michigan State's always been, right? And you look at, um, uh, all you know, winner Rutgers, baby. Greg Schiano. Yeah, well, yeah, Greg Schiano. I mean, I mean, in all seriousness, though, right? Like yep. Rutgers gave Michigan one of the toughest tests for a half that they had all year this season, okay. you know, and and uh they battled all they've they've been competitive at times with Ohio. I think they they actually played Ohio State pretty tough for a while this year as well. They did. They and did, and yeah. so you you look at Luke Fickle, who I think is overrated as a coach, is still a good football coach. And, you know, that's a good hire at Wisconsin. So you're seeing the, the the league is adding new coaching talent. Then you bring in Dan Lanning in Oregon. And you bring in Jed Fish in Washington, who isn't Kalen DeBoer, but he's still a good football coach, as we talked about. You're bringing in Chip Kelly in USC, and you're bringing in Lincoln Riley in – I mean, you, excuse me, Chip Kelly in UCLA, and you're also bringing in uh, Lincoln Riley in USC. And yep. so that league is not going to be as easy for Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan to dominate either. Also, the Pac-12 isn't going to be as easy to, for those schools to dominate because they're now in the Big Ten. And yep. so to your point, conference realignment has changed the game a lot. And I think the ACC is getting better. You know, Florida State's getting better. Miami's getting better. All you know, They're not great, but th- there's, a, there's enough decent teams to where if Notre Dame goes out and beats Florida State and Louisville this year, that's probably going to be two top 25 football teams, right? If not top 15 yeah. football teams this year, where in past years when Brian Kelly was beaten up on the ACC, and this isn't Brian Kelly's fault. He can't control how good teams in the ACC are, who they play. You know, he yeah. he he was beating up Florida State when they weren't very good. Again, not his fault. They did what they needed to do. They won all those games against Florida State. But the ACC was down during Brian Kelly's tenure, except for one team, and that team beat him in 18 Clemson. and beat him yeah. in 20, and that was Clemson, right? Yeah. And so – uh, the ACC, you, you now have some wins that you can get that are going to mean something now for Notre Dame on the schedule. Now, some years you may not have those teams if you can beat them. And, and so that that helps as well. So, the, again, just the way that the landscape of college football has changed, it has opened up a window because of the ability for Marcus Freeman to recruit the way that he has with Chad Bowden, that staff, and the coaching staff that he's assembled. If he can continue to make some of the hires that he's made, you know, goodness gracious like this team is positioning itself and the fact that it has proven to be a a destination spot for certain types of transfers with talent only adds to that and uh, you know i i I certainly think the winner because we are seeing 
a little bit more parity in college football. Yes. Yep. And and Notre Dame is a, has a chance to kind of step into that and say, hey, we're, we're going to do something about it. Now the question is, can they? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.